This is Louisiana Considered. I'm Carl Lengel, and on today's cast, the December 10th election in Louisiana includes a runoff for public service commissioner in the state's third district. It'll pit 18-year incumbent Lambert Boissier III against Baton Rouge environmental activist Devante Lewis. We'll have conversations with both, and the holiday season kicks into full swing this weekend with plenty of festive activities to get you in the spirit. The early music ensemble Vox Femini shows up for its winter gathering at the New Marini Theater in New Orleans. We'll talk with Vox Femini's Charlotte Pipes. We can't leave the opening section today without acknowledging first that it's the 1st of December and we begin to wrap up the year 2022. It is World AIDS Day, a chance to reflect upon the devastation of a health crisis that was initially ignored by many governments and that only intensified its ravage. Since its onset, the world continues to struggle against the scourge. From the National Calendar Day website, today is also Rosa Parks Day. On December 1st, 1955, after a long Thursday at work, Rosa Parks boarded a bus in Montgomery, Alabama. She took her seat in the colored section. As she rode the Cleveland Avenue bus home, the bus began to fill. When the bus driver asked Parks to give up her seat, she refused. Police arrested her, and what followed is civil rights history. Coordinately to Rosa Parks and to World AIDS Day, December is the month that we stress human rights, both as national and universal opportunities are set aside for awareness and action. It's also the birthday of Matthew Shepard, a 21-year-old gay man who in 1998 was brutally tortured and left to die alone on the side of a road in Laramie, Wyoming. As our political situation seems always in some turmoil over what are the rights of a human being, maybe it's fitting that we just take a moment here to kind of reflect and remember that despite the seductive trappings of our exteriors, one of our indisputable interior truths is that we all bleed the same color. Listening to Louisiana Considered on WRKF and WWNO. Up first, today the race for a public service commissioner on Louisiana's 3rd District is heading to a runoff. 18-year incumbent Lambert Boissier III will face Baton Rouge environmental activist Devante Lewis. Joining us now is the challenger, Devante Lewis. Thanks so much for taking some time with us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So not everybody really knows what a public service commissioner does. Explain that to us a little bit more. Yes, the Public Service Commission is the regulator of mostly our utilities, so electricity, sewage, water. They handle pipeline, roadways. Um, so it is a, a very powerful but quiet um, office. It dates back way to Huey Long when it was called the Railroad Commission. Um, and so it is a, a, a regulated body 
of so many things that are vital to our lives. So if elected, how do you plan to address energy and rising costs that are associated with the energy field? Absolutely. And I mean, I think this is one of my number one priorities. This is why my platform, I've proposed a ratepayers bill of rights. Um, so the first thing I want to do is examine the excessive fees and riders that utility companies have placed um, on our utility bills, um, as well as looking um, at holding these companies accountable. I think the most important thing that we have to do is we have to have someone who's independent uh, from Entergy and Demco and Kletco. That's So that's why I'm not accepting their campaign donations because we know part of the reason our energy bills are so high is because of the lack of investments in renewable energy that Louisiana has made. And it is because our utility companies have been dragging their feet. And they've been able to drag their feet because the Public Service Commission hasn't put their foot down and required them to do so. Um, and so this is a big priority of mine that I am ready to hit on multiple levels uh, starting on day one. And how much control do you actually, as a commissioner, have over utility costs? How do voters learn to trust that you'll be able to bring these costs down? Well, I think one thing that voters should know is that, um, for instance, let's use Energy Louisiana. It is what we call a regulated monopoly, which means its profit margins are set by the Louisiana Public Service Commission, as well as every fee and rider before the Public Service Commission. So when you are talking about direct oversight of Intergy Louisiana, for example, uh, the Public Service Commission has a very big authority uh, that they have not truly used. Uh, sadly, in this race, the incumbent has voted for every fee increase that Intergy has ever asked for. Um, the way that we hold them accountable for our rising bills is when they come back for another fee, another rider, or they try to increase their profit margins to ensure their shareholders are getting another fat parachute, uh, you vote no and you tell them no. Um, and so that's why voters can trust me because I will be independent because I'm the only candidate in this race who hasn't taken a dime uh, from Intergy or their lobbyist and has promised and will continue to do so if elected. We're speaking with Devante Lewis, candidate for the Public Service Commissioner of District 3. You mentioned the incumbent. Let's talk about the election. Boissier received about 43% of the vote, and you got 18%. Now, you received the second highest number of votes, but the incumbent still, his count doubled uh, yours. What makes you confident you're going to be able to defeat him in a runoff? Well, that's a great question. Let's be very clear. 57% of the district voted against him. Um, this is someone who has 18 years. He had extremely high name recognition, um, and he tripled all of our money combined, uh, the amount of money that he had, and he could not win this race. He didn't win a single parish with more than 50% of the vote. Um, and so we are confident. We have united um uh, the, the movement for change in this district. And in the coming weeks, you'll see um, probably from some of the other candidates where they stand and who they are supporting uh, in this race. But I think what this is a testament to is that the district really wanted change. And there were four options uh, for change. And so we kind of split the vote a little bit. But now that it is a head-on-head -head matchup, uh, I think you'll see a very different result because it is time for a new direction and bold solutions in Louisiana. Do you sense that a low voter turnout might affect the runoff? How do you hope to encourage more Louisianans to come out and vote December 10th? Absolutely. I mean, I think this is always the challenge with elections in Louisiana is people have election fatigue. Um, and also we... Uh, uh, it's, it's a runoff right after Thanksgiving, but before Christmas. And so what we are really doing is we are encouraging and, and engaging every single person that if you want to see lower utility bills, you want to see more reliable 
um, and resilient utility services um, and that you believe in clean energy, this is a race that you cannot sleep on. Uh, this is a race you must come out and, and vote. It may be the only thing on your ballot in a lot of places. Um, and that's why every vote is going to count. Every vote will matter. Um, and you sitting on the sidelines could be the difference between Louisiana becoming a climate forward state or Louisiana continuing to suffer because of our inactions um, in utility regulation and in climate policy advancement. Devante, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. I hope everyone goes out and vote on December 10th. Baton Rouge environmental activist Devante Lewis, who is seeking a term as Louisiana's third district PSC commissioner. You're listening to Louisiana Considered on WWNO and WRKF. I'm Carl Lengel. The incumbent third district commissioner, Lambert Boissier III, joins us now to discuss his position and his record during his nearly two decades in office. Commissioner, thank you so much for taking some time with us today. For having me, I'm um, uh, actually happy and pleased to be on a, a show I listen to fairly often. Well, thank you. Uh, you were first elected back in 2004. Now, that's just fortunately, if you do the math, right before Hurricane Katrina. What have you feel like you've accomplished? What's the peak of that 18 years? And looking back, we have a job of utility regulation at the commission level, and our job is to regulate utilities. So not only electricity, but water, gas, telecommunications, and a few others things and common carriers that we have to uh, regulate. But they, they never mention that you have to repair the system from ho- uh, hurricane damage and storm and weather damage. And so it was, if you will, use the expression, it was a baptism by, by water, baptism by flood for me at the commission level. Um, it takes a while to get your legs under you, and the first thing that happened was major was the hurricane. Since then, we've been hit over and over again with, with disastrous hurricanes, including just last year with Hurricane Ida. So one of the most important things we did during that time period was deal with storm repair, storm damage, and more important, not just storm damage and storm repair. We, we pioneered something new here. We did storm damage securitization, which is a whole new thing that happened because of Katrina. And uh, we found a way to securitize the damage, which means we go out into the market, get bonds to be able to repair the, the, the system so that when the costs do come back to the system and the ratepayers have to pay it, that it can be financed at the completely lowest interest rate possible and over a long period of time. Uh, we've gone through many iterations. We went through a period when we wanted in Louisiana where we had coal power plants. Uh, and then we converted to natural gas. Natural gas became unregulated. The prices went extremely high and we began to diversify. Uh, we found shale gas in, in Louisiana and other parts of the nation giving us a surplus of natural gas. And um, as that price came plummeting back down, we looked at ways to diversify um, away from the carbon footprint. Nobody was talking about carbon necessarily in 2004 and 2005. Shortly thereafter, we had to discuss carbon and output. So we started looking at sustainable new ways of doing things, the solar, hydro, wind, and other uh, renewables. And so we've come a long way in the fuels that we use. We've come a long way in how we deal with the storm, the storm damage. But ultimately, at the end of the day, what people want and what people need are the lowest possible price and the most reliable system. In short, when you flip that switch, you want that light to come on and you want it to be at the most reasonable, uh, cheapest price. And that's what we try to do at the commission. Now, this is certainly the toughest race you've faced in a while. Tell us a little bit about your current platform, main goals that you have if reelected. Ultimately, 
I've focused on helping the consumer have a better experience with, the, uh, in, with utilities by having a cleaner environment, by having more sustainable sources, but at the same time, we're maintaining reliability and a really low price. I uh, proposed those things since I mentioned the high gas prices just short of, just after Katrina, because I realized when I when I entered the uh, commission and the gas prices were so high, natural gas prices were so high, uh, I, I walked onto the commission with that and and I did my research and said, you know, how did this happen? Natural gas prices used to be cheap. Well, when they were cheap, they didn't diversify. So as the prices came down, I fought for diversification of our fuel mix, like any other financial portfolio. Well, you talk to the man on the street in Louisiana, they're going to end with the question, how are you going to keep my utility bills low moving forward? Well, absolutely. Rate-wise, we're one of the lowest in the nation still. Now, it doesn't feel like it because we don't see the bills in Texas and Florida and, and other places, but we are one of the lowest in the nation. But what we have to do is continue to move to our renewables, continue to move to our solar, and continue to look at other fuel sources that aren't subject to the market price. And that would mean using less and less and less of our natural gas. Now, we also expect natural gas prices to go back down very shortly. It's only been a few months that we've gone up, maybe you know, just this year probably. But, uh, but we feel like the market's going to come back down. But we have to diversify, continue to diversify our fuel mix and continue to fight for it. And the utility game is you can't just make some things happen overnight. When they build projects like this, they're built for 10, 20, and 30 years. So it's a slower process. But it never stopped me from fighting on it for it from day one. And right now I see the fruition of this. I see the change happening all around the state. Up until I became chairman last year, there was only one solar plant. And this year we have nine. And next year we're going to probably have another dozen come online. So the change is happening right now. And I think that people will notice in a very short period of time the differences and the changes that are finally coming to fruition. Now, in addition to that, I know we talked a lot about power. We've completely expanded other areas of the commission, like our broadband. We used to have huge gaps in our, our Wi-Fi all over the state. That is closing, and we've almost covered the entire state with Wi-Fi, giving us a much better economy um, as far as people buying and selling and having meetings in schools online. The other thing I want to mention, you talk about low prices. Right now, Louisiana is one of the only growth states in the nation, and it's because of our stable regulatory process. And believe it or not, I'm going to say it again, even though I side with people, the prices have a tendency to be high. We have some of the more stable and lower prices when you compare them to other states. So we're a major growth area in the nation right now because of that stability. Public Service Commissioner of Louisiana's 3rd District, Lambert Boissier III. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you very much for having me.
what better way to kick off the early Christmas season now than with some early Christmas music? And I'm not talking about the elevator music that's been an earworm for the last several days. Vox Femini, the New Orleans-based female vocal ensemble that specializes in century-old musical treasures, presents its holiday program, Wassail Wassail, a program of early Christmas songs. Charlotte Pipes joins us now to share a little bit about the music and the ensemble's origins. Charlotte, thank you so much for taking some time with us today. Oh, thank you. I want to start with how you came to this particular form of music, and we'll we'll explain a little bit more about it, but you personally, where did you find this in your journey through all of this? Well, um, I graduated from LSU. I'm a voice teacher, and I joined the faculty at Nicholas State University in 1980, and uh, one of the uh, faculty members was retiring, and um, he was the music history professor, and I offered to take over that because I love music history and uh, teaching voice, teaching singing, and the origins of of singing uh, in different venues, the origins of, of music in uh, in the church. Because when you study music history, the first things that you first sheet music that you can actually look at are reproductions of Gregorian chants. Let's talk about how far back that is so that people understand how many centuries we're looking at here. Uh, this goes back to the Dark Ages, yes. When you talk about the, um, the Renaissance, this is way before that. There are no lines and spaces. I mean, the, uh, sheet music hasn't really been invented yet. And everything is learned by rote from one musician to another. The music that's in the churches uh, came to be written down and passed uh, from uh, seminary to seminary, uh, they were all studying it, and they all learned how to read sheet music. And this is very much at that time, this would have been the Catholic Church pretty much controlling yeah. what was, was being printed or being written. Right, yeah. right. And everybody knows uh, the, the name of Gregorian chant. That's mm-hmm. Pope uh, Gregory in mm-hmm. the 6th century. And it's not that he wrote it all, but at some point in his uh, career, he required that uh, the music being used in all the churches be codified. He was trying to make it uh, more, um, uh, not not exactly the same, but to have a strong resemblance as you move from church to church, that when you sang a, a chant, everyone would recognize it. Almost a standardization. Right, yeah. exactly. And, and it's just called Gregorian chant after him. He's the one that uh, set all that in motion. So... Uh, Sixth century, when you when you look back that far and you see everything being created, and it's uh, it's all this uh, Latin and it's all single line melodies and it fits a baritone range, because the men in the church were uh, that were singing it in the seminaries and all of that. That was uh, uh, the baritones. All right, now that's yeah. a good jumping point onto what <laughs> we're going to talk about now because it's okay. not male baritones. This is Vox. Femini and right, right. Which in Latin, of course, means female so, voices. Female voices, yes, yeah. yes. So, yeah. How how did we transition to that? How did Vox <laughs> Femini come about from this very male-dominated Catholic Church? Okay. Music? Right. As, well, as time went, as the centuries went by, and different voices were introduced, like boys' choirs and things like that, uh, there was the influence uh, coming from uh, southern Spain, uh, where the Moors had had uh, the uh, the Arabic influence had come in uh, in southern Spain, and uh, there were boys' choirs that were an influence there. 
and this idea of the boys' choir spread through uh, all of the all in Europe, and that's where you uh, that's when you start to see uh, the duplicate of the baritone line up an octave. Which so that's the boys, range, the octave yeah. above, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then they added, slowly they started adding more uh, things like parallel fourths, parallel fifths. But it starts as, as a male baritone range, then you add the octave, and then you start adding in parallel fourths and fifths. So let's talk about the group itself. Uh, New Orleans music, Musica de Camera had been around for many decades, and that was uh, started by Milton Sherman, Dr. Milton Sherman. Of course. Uh, yes, and he's uh, uh, retired now from the university and from uh, the organization. But we still, uh, he's still our, my, one of my main sources of information when I'm researching the pieces that we're going to, to perform. And uh, Thais St. Julian uh, became co-director with him, and she was the, uh, the only voice at first. For many years, she was the soprano voice, and, and she was the only singer. And uh, she decided uh, a few decades ago that she wanted to try creating a women's ensemble that could also perform uh, some of this more complicated music with, a, with different lines. Uh, so that's how it started. It started with Chinese wanting to do this. And now the program that you're doing this Sunday, tell us a little bit about uh, some of the music that will be there. We will start with a drinking song. Ah, that's a good start. New Orleans, <laughs> Louisiana, that's where we start. That's, that's yes, it, it's the, uh, there, there are different songs uh, that are named uh, wassail or wassail, um, and, and that term can be used as a, a, a verb or a noun or, or uh, whatever. Um, the one we're going to perform to start with is the uh, Gloucestershire, and then we're going to be, we're, we'll have uh, our ensemble pieces, and then we'll have uh, chant just a uh, uh, monophonic chant, everybody on the same line, and then we'll have duets uh, and um, some instrumental pieces. Uh, we do have um, uh, Joe, Joseph uh, B. Derensburg will be playing instruments for us, and our harpist is uh, Bryce Reevely. Bryce will be playing for us also. Charlotte, this has been just a wonderful chat with you. Thank you so well, much thank for you. taking and some you, time. Well, you. And you also. <laughs> and I'm delighted that uh, that uh, you gave us this publicity, and we hope everybody enjoys the concert. Vox Femme and I will appear Sunday, December 4th at 3 p.m. at the new Marigny Theater on Array at Mandeville in the Marigny. For more information on the program, you can follow the new Marigny Theater on Facebook. Charlotte mentioned Milton Sherman Jr. and Ty St. Julian. Fans of the program Continuum will be pleased to know that WWNO continues to feature encore broadcasts of the program regularly on Sunday mornings. This has been Louisiana Considered. Thanks to our guest today, Public Service Commission candidates Devante Lewis and the incumbent Lampert Voisier III. And to Vox Femini, Charlotte Pipes. Our managing producer is Alana Schreiber. Our digital editor is Caitlin Umholtz. Our engineers are Garrett Pittman, Aubrey Procell, and Thomas Walsh. You can listen to Louisiana Considered Monday through Friday at 12 noon and 7.30 p.m. It's available on Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you get your podcasts. Major support for Louisiana Considered is provided by Rouse's Markets, a Louisiana shopping experience, with additional support from Southern Strategy Group. Thank you.